Okay, we're just a day late and a half an hour. 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Okay. But we're on, Baruch Hashem. Okay, anybody that wants to dedicate this class, let us know. We are holding over here. Um, this week we're reading Pasha Sav. Next week is Pesach. Next week, Monday, Bez Hashem, we'll have a Pesach class. Also tune in tomorrow night. We're having our last of the series, Exploring Exodus. Thursday night is also going to be a class on Pesach. So there's a lot of Pesach happening, but now we want to pay attention to this week's Torah portion, Pasha Sav, and see if we find something really cool. Now, we do have something really cool this week's Pasha. Um, and that is as follows. The Torah talks about um, it goes. It does a review on the sacrifices. And most of the sacrifices that are already laid out in last week's Torah portion, and in this week's Torah portion, it fills in the missing um, parts of every sacrifice. So the main sacri- category of sacrifices we learned in the last week's Torah portion is the burnt offering, which is the Karban Ola. And then we had the Mincha, which is the meal offering, which wasn't from animals, it was made out of flour, whatever, uh, different types of um, different types of uh, uh, matzahs that were baked and so on and so forth. It's called the meal offering. And then we had the shalomim offering, which was the peace offering. And then we had the sin offering and the guilt offering. That was mostly the entire Torah portion of last week's Torah portion. It gives us the main laws of all these sacrifices. In the second Torah portion in Leviticus, it kind of goes back to all those sacrifices, albeit in a different order. It, 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 it follows a different order, not exactly. It starts with the burnt offering, but, uh, and, and, but it, it veers off and doesn't follow. It puts the sin offering and the guilt offering before the peace offering. But it, it um, adds in, add, you know, just things that were left out, just a few regarding some laws that were kind of missed and obviously there's a deep you know, reason in the Torah of God's infinite wisdom why he left those out initially. And now he goes back and he says, those Torahs are Olah, those Torahs, this is the Torah of this, this is the Torah of this one. That's the, outla- that's the overlay of this week's Torah portion. The conclusion of the Torah portion deals with the seven days of filling, which were the seven days before the month of Nisan when Aaron and his sons were being inaugurated into the service of the temple. The priests were becoming priests. The seven days of inauguration, which Moshe himself was acting as the main officiator in the temple. And in those days, every single day, the temple was built and disassembled. The tabernacle built and disassembled. Shiva That's the conclusion of Parsha Sah. Leading into next week's Torah portion called Shmini, which is referring to the eighth day, which was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, was when they actually permanently set up the tabernacle, as permanent as it was, wasn't permanent to be at all because it was always disassembled, but at least it was not taken down daily. It was there as long as they, they moved to the next place. And um, that's called the actual inauguration, not the pre-inauguration ceremony, but the actual inauguration. And over there you had the priests, not the priests, the princes of each tribe brought for 12 days. Every day, another prince from a different tribe brought a special sacrifice, which we are now in the midst of in the month of Nisan. And every day we are supposed to read the parsha of the Nasi and we say a special prayer at the end. Fine. 
But this is seven days prior to that. So that's the conclusion of Parshat Tzav. So again, first half of Parshat Tzav deals with filling in various points that were not laws, that were not related in last week's Torah portion. But now it's reviewing and filling it in. And then you have the second half. Now, in the middle of the mix, Hashem throws in another korban, which belongs to the category of the meal offering, which is the mincha. Mincha is a meal offering, but it's a particular one. It's a meal offering coming from a priest, which a meal offering coming from a priest, which means when a priest himself is bringing the offering, not a, an ordinary Jew is bringing the offering. It's when the priest, the Kohen, is bringing the offering. So it has special laws. But in addition to that, a Kohen who was for the first time ever officiating in the temple, the day that he's entering in to become a Kohen officially to work, you don't become a Kohen, you're born a Kohen, but the day that he would be you have to reach a certain age in order to be able to work in the temple. I think you have to be 20 years old. So the day, the first day that he was in, you know, ish, you know, entering in, on that day, it's only a once-in-a-lifetime, he would bring a special meal offering. It was made like a meal offering of, of 12 breads, fried breads. Six of them were offered in the morning and six were offered in the evening. Now, that's a regular going. The high priest... Aaron, he would bring that offering daily. Every single day, he was like being inaugurated from them. I guess when you reach very, very high levels, you got to start every day from them. Because if the moment you become comfortable and you think you belong there, then out. So when you're a high priest, you have to be so sensitive that every day it's like your inauguration. So there was a, a, a meal offering that was brought every single day. It accompanied the morning um, burnt offering in the temple, there was a morning burnt offering that was offered every day and an afternoon one. The morning offering was the first offering of the day. You couldn't offer anything else before the, and it belonged to everybody. It was a communal offering. And the afternoon one was the last one that was offered every day. And in between that, everybody that wanted to bring private sacrifices could bring. But it had to be sandwiched between these two. Now, the meal offering of the high priest that was brought daily, these 12 matzahs or challah type of matzahs, whatever, they were not, they were never leavened in the base of English, besides very unique, specific cases when they brought leavened bread. But like this, they were matzah. So six were offered in the morning and six were offered in the evening. Okay? A regular Cohen would have the same thing, but only once in his lifetime. So first, this is in Perek Vav, chapter 6 in Leviticus, in Vayikra, Pasuk Yud Beis, verse number 12. It says, God spoke to Moshe, This should be the carbon of Aaron, the high priest, Ubanav, and his children, that they should offer to God on the day that he was anointed. So, remember I mentioned earlier, a regular Kohen, on the day that he officiates and enters into the service, he brings this sacrifice. However, the Kohen God will bring, the high priest brought this every single day. Asira Se'efa, okay. 
Um, now, how do we know the Kohen brings it? Every, and it goes on to tell you what exactly, how it was made. It was a certain tenth of an apha, which is a measure of, of flour. And it was made out of pure, um, pure flour from fine wheat. And fine flour from wheat, half in the morning. And it was fried in a frying pan. It was very oily. And this was offered. Um, and it was baked a couple of times. It was a whole procedure. Um, that's it. That's that's what the top, that's what the the pasuk says. But here's a cool midrash. The midrash says, I couldn't find the midrash. So on the, I don't know what my midrash rabbi disappeared. Um, I think it's a very big book, and I didn't like that it was not fitting in, and I stuck it somewhere, and I don't know where I stuck it. Even as a big book, okay. The midrash rabbi this week says as follows: Zekarban Aaron. But today's days, Google gets you everything. So you can pull up the Medrash. So it says like this. On the word Zekarban Aaron, this should be the, the offering of Aaron. So the Midrash brings a verse from Shoftim, from Judges. 1414, 14, chapter 14 in Judges, verse number 14 in Judges. Where it says, Vayom he says to them, from the eater comes out food. And from the hard or tough comes out sweetness. What is it referring to? It's a riddle that Samson, Shimshon Hagibor, the mighty Samson, is testing and teasing and... Uh, Challenging the Philistines. You see, we all know that Shimshon Hagibor, Samson the Mighty, married a Philistine girl. That was a way that he can get in there and uh, it was a whole scheme. His parents were very angry at that because the Philistines were at war with the, with the, with the Jewish people. And in general, for him to marry a non out of the... Okay, he converted her, but the whole situation was not, it was not good. But it was God's will. The verse says specifically, they didn't know that it was God's will that he should marry her. And that's how I, I guess his uh, ability to take care of business over there was when he was inside. In any case, by his wedding, he was in a very, very, very cheerful mood. And he threw out a riddle to them, to the Philistines, and he challenged them. And the riddle was as follows. If they can if they were able to um, solve the riddle, then he has to pay them a certain amount of clothing and a certain amount of money. I think it was. If they do not, they, they took up, he gave them the challenge and they accepted the challenge. If not, they need to give him 30, 30 uh, changes of clothing and also money to him. He was sure they would never get the riddle. They would never figure it out. And what did he say to them? He said to them these words. I'll read to you. Shoftim Yudalit. The words he says to them. And he says to them, um, He said to them, From the eater emerges food, and from the strong emerges sweetness. What's he referring to? So he was telling them, 
So they were thinking it's some ancient parable that some it's some uh, deep, deep cosmic uh, secret. And they were trying to figure this out. They gave up in the end. But they didn't. They didn't want to pay the money. They were. They knew that the deal was a deal, and they were. And they didn't want to pay. And they know with with Samson, they took along at his muscles, and they said they're not gonna. They're not interested in fighting with him. So they knew that he's gonna force them to pay up. So what did they do? They went to his wife, and they put. They threatened her, and they put a lot of pressure on her that she should get the secret out of him, like they kept on doing later in his life. And that's how the end they got him. But um, the end, she squeezed out the secret from him, and he and she told it to them, and that's how they found. They came in the last day that they had a chance, and they, in the end, Shimshon Samson had to pay up because she spilled the beans on the secret that he that he had told her. But he knew they could never crack the riddle. What was it? it was as follows: On his way down to meet this girl or to go marry her, he was going with his parents, but then he took his own path. Some commentaries say he took an own path because since he was considered a Nazarite, he was a Nazir, and he had to keep away from wine that he wasn't allowed to walk through a vineyard. And the path was through the vineyard. So they walked a shortcut. He went the long way. On the way, he was encountered by a lion, a young lion. He didn't have any weapons on him, because he, but he was Samson the, the mighty. So he took the lion and he shredded the lion with his bare hands. Tore it. And he left it there. Didn't tell anybody. Went down, I think, and he got engaged to his uh, Philistine girlfriend. And now he's on his way back. He comes back to look at the dead carcass of the lion. And he sees that bees have created a beehive in the carcass. So now there's a whole beehive inside the carcass. So he goes and he pulls out. I don't know how he got rid of the bees, but I guess if you Samson, the, the, the Shimshon Hagibor, you can deal with bigger problems in life. So he figured out how to get out of the bees. And he managed to pull the honeycomb out from the beehive. And he squeezed the honeycomb and he got a whole bunch of honey. And he brought it for him. He was eating it himself and he was giving it to his parents. Fine. And this was his riddle. Because the lion is the fiercest of, fiercest of all the animals. And now the lion became a food source because from the lion came, came the food. The lion was the predator, the fierce predator that eats everybody up. That lion itself is now become food. The bees found the carcass of the lion a place to create their beehive and then produce food, which is the honey and so forth. And from the strong one, which is the lion, comes sweetness. So the mighty dangerous lion is now a source of candy, a candy lion. So uh, Samson thought that that was amusing. And maybe he wanted to, in the end, just uh, let them know that uh, exactly what his intentions were with this. Maybe that he, maybe if they would know, he would go show them. And then they would recognize what, where and when. And maybe he would let them know his might and his strength so they wouldn't mess with him. I'm just guessing that. But that could have been the, the intention of this whole situation. But there's got to be something much deeper over here. What's the story over here? From a lion comes in. But what does the Midrash want over here? Why is the Midrash saying this over here on this, on the verse? Zek carbon Aaron. This is the carbon of Aaron. The Midrash says, from the eater, 
comes food. What does the Medrash mean? Aaron is the big lion. Because he's the one who offers all the sacrifices. When you have a sacrifice that you want to bring, who do you come to? You come to the Kohen. And if you want to really go, you go to the chief Kohen. The chief priest, the high priest. He's in one who elevates and everybody sacrifices. So the Midrash is wondering, and now Aaron has to bring a sacrifice. He himself has to bring some kind of an offering. He is the offerer of all the, of all the offerings. And now he is bringing an offering. So the Midrash is connecting this to the idea from the eater will become the eaten. You have to understand what's such a shocking, why is this such a shock? So what's wrong? He offers sacrifices. He's the chosen one to bring up the offerings. And Aaron as well also needs atonement or also needs a sack to bring an offering. What's this whole idea that we're so, the Midrash seems to be like shocked by this. And then we need to understand what was the greatness of this riddle. Why is this? I mean, it's, it's maybe neat, but nothing that 